tyranny of time. If you would look at Ephesians 5.16 again, where Paul says, redeeming the time, I want to give you three other translations. One from the Revised Standard Version, which says, making the most of the time. The Phillips translation, make the best use of your time. And the New English Bible, use the present opportunity to the full. I wish we would do that. Even coming into church, I wish we would do that. I wish we would be able to look out and believe in any service that everybody is really into that service. Not sitting there half dead, but really making the best use of this opportunity. Worshiping, involving, listening, heeding the voice of the Lord. And then to go out of here and do it with our life day by day. In the book of Revelation, as I mentioned, the King James Version that we have become so familiar with says, there should be time no longer. Other translations simply say, there shall be no more delay. There will be a time when time will no longer be a factor. And I can say, I think that will be a delight when we will not have to live by the clock, but it will be an era called eternity. An old man was carefully driving along the expressway at 40 miles an hour. Cars were zooming by him on that freeway, and some of the drivers or occupants were shaking their fists at him as they whizzed by for driving so slow and being, in their opinion, a hazard on the freeway. Finally, he looked in his mirror and saw a flashing light. A patrolman was pulling him over. And when he stepped up to the window, the patrolman said, Old man, do you know why I stopped you? And he said, Sure. I'm the only one you could catch. <laughs> I think many of us are fearful that if we slow down, we will get caught like that old man on the freeway. Time. Lucius Seneca, the Roman philosopher, observed we are always complaining that our days are few and at the same time acting as if they would never end. How true with most people. If you were to ask me what is time, I would say time is life. It is irreversible and it is irreplaceable. To waste your time is literally to waste your life because that is exactly what time is. Now we hear a lot of people say, I lack time. That is an incorrect 
statement. There is no such thing as a lack of time. Everybody has the same amount. If you haven't figured it out lately, we have 1,440 minutes every day, and it is deposited in the bank for you to use. If you were to break that down into seconds, it would be 86,400 seconds. Every day is yours to use and mine to use. But the interesting thing about time is that when you get that deposit in the bank of life, there is no balance carried over to the next day. It's either use it or lose it. That's why we say, I lack time because we have not learned in many cases how to use time and appreciate time to the maximum degree. People spend a great amount of money these days going to what we call time management seminars. In my message this morning, I will be helping you to save money if you will listen. I'm asked to do seminars like that as a matter of fact. And I do occasionally go out and talk about the use of our time. Today I want to preach about it. Dr. Wesley Weatherhead calculated the average length of life with the hours in a waking day in order to illustrate the importance of Numbering our days, as Psalm 90, verse 12 says, teach us to number our days. Again, he calculated the average length of life with the hours in a waking day. And if anybody here is 12 years of age, it's 9 o'clock in the morning for you, according to Dr. Weatherhead. But if you've moved double that to age 24, guess what? It's noon in your life. And if you go 12 more years to 36, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon for you. And if you move 12 more years to age 48, guess what? It's 6 o'clock in the evening. And if you have turned 60 like I have, in recent months, it's 9 o'clock at night in the span of life compared to a day. And I'm not going to go further for fear some of you <laughs> will be so despondent that you won't hear me anymore. But it is an interesting thought, isn't it? I have said it to you before that I have spent the best years of my life already. Whatever God gives me left is a bonus in many ways. And I will use those to the very best of my ability and with God's help invest them well. But it is sobering to think that I'm at 9 o'clock at night in the span of my life compared to a day. Yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. Today is the only cash you have. So you'd better spend it wisely. 
the tyranny of time. I want you to look into your Bible again in the book of Ephesians for my outline. Paul helps us as he writes to these believers in how to use our time. If you will notice in verse 2 of Ephesians 5, Paul says to walk in love. If you will look at verse 8, he says, walk as children of light. And if you will look at verse 15, he said, walk circumspectly, which means walk carefully. That is my outline on the tyranny of time. Number one, walk in love. If you want to use your time well, if you want to invest your time well, walk in love. Walk as Christ walked. Now Paul goes on to explain that Christ gave himself for others. That is the first lesson in using time to the maximum degree. Give yourself to others. Now if I may just lay my life open a little bit to you this morning, I want to explain to you the problem that I have and maybe some of you can relate to it a little bit and get some help out of this. My problem is there is only one of me. There's many a day that I wish I were two, three, four people for the challenges that are in front of me to accomplish. So I have to make a decision about my time. You see, to many people, I am the resident theologian here. And I'm the only one that can answer the deep questions of Scripture and the questions of life. My secretary was sharing that with me again this week, how difficult it is for her to answer the many requests that come in for my time. She said, Pastor, they all think that you're the only one that can give them an answer. And we kind of laughed about it together, but yet it is a very serious thing for me because I want to be available, and yet I still want to live for tomorrow. And you see, I'm the father of all the church happenings around here. And I do have a sign in my office that says, the buck stops here. I'm very well aware of that. I'm the local expert in evangelism, stewardship, church management, and on and on it goes. Some days I feel like the guy in the tower at O'Hare Airport in Chicago trying to get all those planes down and then up again without having them crash. It is really an interesting life. I have local church responsibilities, I have district responsibilities, I have national responsibilities. Added to that, I am a husband to a wife, and a father to two sons, and a grandfather of seven children, and I am considered to be a mentor to scores of ministers around the nation. 
You know what it amounts to? It's like a compact car trying to carry the load of a pickup truck. And if you're not careful, the compact will collapse under the load and the weight. That's my problem. Now, what is yours? Maybe you feel a lot like that. It's just in a little different realm. Maybe it's in the office structure. or Maybe it's in the burden of caring for X number of people that God has brought into your life. The answer is what we're interested in. And the answer is walk in love. Treat every situation and every person like Jesus would. That's the answer from the Bible. In verse 2, it is like an offering to God and a sweet-smelling aroma. Not to live for one's self. So how do you do that? Let me tell you how I do it. Keeps me healthy and alive. I do the hardest tasks first. A lot of people I meet put those on at the end of the day, and by then they're too weary and they're too debilitated to do anything about them because they did the easy things first and left the hard things for last, and as a result, they never get done, and the compact car breaks under the load of a pickup. I learned long time ago, do the difficult first. The things you don't like, do those first, and then you can really enjoy the rest of the things that you're called upon to do. I've learned that a clean desk is not the sign of a sick mind. I walked into an office one day and saw that sign. A clean desk is the sign of a sick mind. And I disagreed with that person who had it there emphatically and noticed why he had it on his desk. Because his desk was cluttered with debris. I felt sorry for him because I knew he was frustrated with so much to do. I have learned through the years never to leave anything on my desk when I walk out at night. I challenge you to ask the custodian to let you into my office to check me out. When I come in in the morning, I don't want to see a stack of stuff that I left undone the day before. What an exhilarating feeling it is to walk in and see it clean and ready for a new day. That's just a practice of using time to the maximum good. I never leave a phone call unanswered. If that person is there, I will get back to them before the day is over. You will never find a phone thing on my desk at the end of the day unless I couldn't reach the individual. It gives you health. And I've learned to take a day at a time. I'm not doing Friday's work yet. I'll take care of that when Friday comes. God has given me today. That's all I have at this moment is today. So I will take today and live today, and I've asked God to give me strength and ability for today and walk in love through that day, and God's power will be there assisting. Are you listening to me? 
Another thing I've learned is not to feel guilty about the things I don't get done. Guilt does not motivate me to do better. It blocks my ability to do better. If I've made a sincere effort and I don't get it accomplished, then I'm not going to be guilty over it. I've done my best, and the rest can wait. Don't try to perform for God. He loves you anyway. That's another thing that encourages me, that I'm not performing for God. I don't impress God with my performance. God will love me whether I perform or not. Isn't that wonderful to know? And some of you need to know that. You're killing yourself trying to impress God. Stop it. He's not impressed. Just love him and love people. That's what impresses God. And leave the rest to him. Another thing I've learned is what Jesus indicated in Mark 6.31 when he said to his disciples, come aside and rest a while. It's interesting in that chapter in Mark to discover that out of that time of rest came the feeding of the 5,000 which was more or less the feeding of the 20,000 because it was 5,000 men. One translation is, come apart and rest a while. We simply come apart. We don't do the rest. Even Jesus Christ knew that with his disciples, they needed to share intimately together and love one another. And as a result, the multitudes came and Jesus was able to feed them and to care for them after their time together. Love will find a way. Love your mate. Love your children. Love your family. Love your fellow associates where you work. And love will find a way. Paul says if you want to redeem the time, walk in love. Get that animosity out of your heart. Get that hatred out of your spirit. Get that bitterness out. Get that feeling that, oh no, tomorrow is Monday. Out of your spirit, walk in love. And there will come a new day in your life that will set you free. Secondly, he says, walk as children of light. Well, what's the other side of that coin? Don't walk as the world walks. You see, as I look about and people are in darkness, they don't plan their time. Their life is not ordered. It's just sort of whatever happens. I believe God wants his children to plan their time. If you need to, make a list every day. I know people who do that. I don't have to do that because for years I've trained myself that in the morning I make my list in my mind. I like it up here better than in my pocket somewhere because I'm liable to forget the list. But if it's in my mind, there is no way that I can quit until I've got all those things chalked off. My wife gets upset with me because I can do that. But I thank God that he taught me that years ago, 
There is something that has been built within me that lets me know there's still an item or two left on that list, and I can't stop until those things are accomplished. But you need to make a list, be it mentally or be it on a piece of paper. If you don't have that ability, use a piece of paper. But plan your time. That is operating as a child of light. I would recommend also that you learn to buy time. You say, well, how in the world do you buy time? You do it every day if you have a telephone. You buy time from the telephone company. That's buying time. That's what you're writing that checkout for at the end of the month. You've bought so many minutes of a company's time in order to talk on that telephone. Well, you can buy time if you're burdened with the yard work. Buy time. Get somebody to do it for you. You're probably not doing very well anyway. Well, you say, I need the exercise. Well, that may be true. But if you're burdened over it, and if it's robbing you of creativity, then it would be better to buy the time and get the creativity back. There are all kinds of ways. We are in what we call daylight savings time. Do you know what we do with daylight savings time? We simply buy an extra hour of daylight. We don't get an extra hour of our day. We just buy an extra hour of daylight. We have evidently felt that it's taking away an hour from darkness so that in the summertime, in the good weather months, we can get more time to do what we would like to do, what we need to do, rather than moving into darkness an hour earlier. That's buying time. And it's a good thing. Some of you need to just get up 15 minutes earlier in the morning. That's buying time. Rather than be frustrated with your devotional life or whatever, just wake up 15 minutes earlier. Buy that time. And then we need to learn how to invest time if we walk as children of light. It's like investing dollars for your future, preparing for that which is out ahead during retirement years or whatever. You invest time. How do you do that? Some of you are slow readers, and so you don't get very much information. Go and take a speed reading course. I can read through a book in a matter of minutes by speed reading the book. You don't need to read every word. If you learn how to scan a page, you can get the basic information in seconds and zoom through material. You say, how do speakers who, got, who have, have got to speak three times on Sunday and Wednesday and do other groups, how do they ever get enough material? It's learning how to invest time. We just make excuses. We say, oh, they have had better opportunities than we. No, 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 no. They just learned how to invest their time. Some of you need to learn how to type or get a computer class or something to invest your time. When I was in high school, I decided to take typing. I was the best typist in the class boys or girls, because God knew I was going to learn how to type because I'd have to do a lot of it in the future. What a gift it is. I can type better than any secretary in our office pool. I am more accurate and quicker. 
And I'm not boasting. I'm just saying God taught me to do that, to buy time and invest time so that I could get as much done as possible. And some of you, even if you're 80 years old, need to start learning some of those lessons. Hmm? Some of you need to just learn how to clean up a mess so you know where things are. Oh, where did I put that? Oh, let me see. 20 minutes later, they come back and still haven't found it. You've wasted 20 minutes of your life. You'll never get it back. If you would have put it under A, you would have known where it was. If you would have put it under P, you would have known where it was. If you had put it in the same place every time, I hear some people, where are my keys? Oh, where are my keys? Oh, my God, I put them in the same place every time, so I never have to ask, where are my keys? I know exactly where they are. I put them in the same place at night when I go to bed, so I know exactly where they are. You say, you must live a dull life. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I haven't lost anything yet in 60 years. You call it what you want to. I call it investing time. Learn how to file things. Learn how to put things away where you can grab them back when you need them instead of wasting whatever it is that is valuable to you. What are we talking about? We're talking about walking as children of light. You cannot afford to operate by the seat of your pants. Life is too short. Those minutes go by too quickly. Make things happen by investing time. Now, Paul said one other thing of importance. He said, walk carefully. That's in verse 15, circumspectly. And then he said something we don't usually like to hear. Don't walk as fools. It's characterized in the Bible in a story Jesus told in Luke 12. You might like to turn to it. In the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 12, verse 42, the Lord is speaking to Peter and the disciples, and he said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the men servants and maid servants, and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he's not aware, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers." And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given from him, much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. Interesting story. Walk carefully. Jesus speaks of a wise steward who also had the ability to be unwise, which is the case with all of us here. 
Now that man had a problem of dividing his life into two compartments. Listen, the first compartment was when his master was present. The second was when his master was away. You see, there's a very deep spiritual lesson in this story. It's what a lot of people do in America today. They come to church on Sunday and leave their religion at the door of the church. That's not walking carefully. That's walking as a fool. We hear in our society today that the sacred and the secular have to be separated. There is no way you can separate the sacred from the secular. The actions of the president are determined by the character of the president. And yours as well, mine as well. You cannot divide them. Jesus said if you try to do that, you're going to be beaten with many stripes. In other words, you're going to have great judgment come upon your head because you're trying to divide your life into two compartments. Serving Christ has responsibilities at every level of life. Society, work, government, culture, marriage, family life. Paul said to the Thessalonians, second letter, chapter 3, verse 13, never tire of doing what is right. That's what Jesus is speaking to. Do what's right. Walk carefully. Don't get pulled into the world's mode. Don't be characterized by the world. Don't say everybody's doing it because that's a cop-out. Walk carefully and you will escape the tyranny of time. Also, it is apparent that this servant thought he had plenty of time. Jesus said, I must work while it is what? Day. The night comes when no one can work. The routine process of living could be ended at any moment. I was talking to a minister friend the other day who had the unfortunate experience of a member dying in the morning service. And it was a while before anybody realized it. Because so many on the row looked the same. I'm serious. She had evidently sat there for minutes in eternity before anybody realized she was gone. Your life can end at any moment. But we should live as if there were the first day, this were the first day of the rest of our lives. We should give this day everything we can. Jesus was teaching that time was a valuable quantity not to be treated lightly not to be taken without a sense of reverence and awe and care. Walk carefully, never tire of doing what is right. You would do well to teach your children these lessons. Walk in love. Walk as children of light. Walk carefully. What will the scorecard reveal when the game is over? One good hole of golf will not make for a great round of golf. 
You've got to step up to the next tee and do it well again. The winners are those who don't score well on just one hole. They score well on every hole. The best game of golf I've ever played. I had 13 pars in 18 holes. Never have done it since. Because some golf balls, I believe, are demon-possessed. But that day was a day I shall remember. I was only five over par when I finished after 13 pars. I felt good. But I've learned that it only happens once in a while because I don't do it every day. I don't do it often enough. And it's a game of telepathy. Your mind telegraphs to muscles what to do, and if you're not doing it often enough, your muscles forget. And things happen that are very strange. <laughs> what is important, church? The final score. That's what's important. Not one hole, not a flash in the pan. Some of you here are new Christians. Don't be a flash in the pan Christian. Don't be just up and alive for a few weeks. Make it a lifetime goal. Use your time well. Invest it daily. D.L. Moody said we live our lives one tick at a time. And that's really true. I can determine how this tick is going to be spent. And I can determine how the next tick is going to be spent. And I have determined that's what I will determine. I will use my time to the glory of God. Someone asked Will Rogers once, if you had only 48 hours to live, how would you spend them? He replied, one at a time. We make excuses for ourselves. We look at other people and say they had greater opportunities. No, they had the same amount of time you do. It's often how we use what has been given us. Paul recognized it when he wrote to this church. And he said, listen, buy up every opportunity. Don't waste one day. Don't waste one moment, one opportunity. And then in Revelation, John came along and he said, there will be a time when time will be no longer. What a massive angel that must have been, he saw. He had one foot on land, one foot on sea, and his hand reached to the heavens. He must have been something to behold. And he said there will be no more delay. We're moving into eternity now. And that's why I feel such a challenge to preach. Because I realize I'm helping people on their way to eternity. And some of you need to make some adjustments in your life. Dawson Trotman, founder of The Navigator, said the greatest time wasted is the time getting started. Some of you just need to get started. When you kill time, I'm telling you it has no resurrection. You have killed it, and it cannot be brought back. Now, I have not had time today to tell you about the importance of diversion in your life. You see, I don't preach every day of my life, nor do I stay every day in my study going over books and sermons. 
If I did, I wouldn't live well, and I wouldn't live long. I have found the importance of diversion. There are things that I do that get me away from the norm. Using my time well. You see, for me, 18 holes of golf is a lot better than a doctor's appointment. Or two weeks in the hospital. It's a diversion that I need. And if anybody's giving me a bad time, that ball has their name on it. I can blast that thing <laughs> down that freeway and get that all off my chest. And I'm well and I love them again. Walk in love. I intend to do it. Learning how to divert for health reasons. What did the Bible say? Now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. If you don't think you're doing well, maybe you ought to use today as a day of salvation. A day of taking these three steps in the epistle of Paul to the Ephesians and saying, there is an answer for my life. I'm going to walk in love. That's the way to use my time. I'm going to love everybody. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my companion. I'm going to love my children in spite of what they do. I'm going to love them because Jesus did that. And I'm supposed to walk like Jesus did. And you will use your time much more effectively. And then you will look into this passage of Scripture when you thumb through it again and you will say, I'm going to walk as a child of light. I'm not going to walk like the world does, wasting opportunity. I'm going to walk as a child of light. You see, a child of light doesn't go down and invest all of his profits in the lottery and say, I'm going to get to be a millionaire through the lottery. That is darkness. That is hopelessness. The child of light takes his profits and invests them in eternity. And God will honor that life because he's walked in light. He's not looked for one moment of opportunity, but he has seen every moment as a moment of opportunity. And then he will look at the passage and he will say, I'm going to walk carefully. There's evidently those who do not walk carefully. They walk as fools. And I refuse to walk as a fool. I'm going to walk carefully. And I'm going to be walking worthily of the name Christian. Church, get hold of your time. Get hold of your schedule which, if you will, you'll have a hold of your life. And God will begin to manifest himself to you in ways you never dreamed he would before. You're too busy to pray, too busy to read the Bible, too busy to attend the services that the leadership of this church deem important and necessary for your spiritual growth. You need to look at this theme today and realize the tyranny of time when it's not under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? And I ask you to remain steady now until we have dismissed. And let each person reach out to God. Father, we realize there is a day coming when time will be no longer. In some ways, that strikes fear into our hearts as we realize we'll all have to stand before the judge of all the earth. 
But at the same time, if we have done our best, if we've invested our life to the best of our ability under your guidance, we have nothing to fear. You said you would be delighted to say, well done, good and faithful servant. We have not tried to divide our lives into the sacred and the secular. We've put it all together in one. We're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, whether we're down at the Capitol or whether we're here at Capitol Christian Center. We're going to live the same way in either place. We're going to be Christ's servant. And when compromise is presented to us, we're going to say, no, I'm going to walk carefully. I'm going to walk as a child of light. I'm going to walk in love to you and to the fellow man around me. Father, I thank you for this opportunity today to talk about something so practical from your word that it can literally change lives, and I pray that it shall in these next few seconds in Jesus' name. While our heads are bowed, people are in prayer. The first thing you need to do is to make a choice as to who your master will be. Jesus Christ is the best master of all. And if you've not given your life to him, that's a place to begin. I would like to pray for you today. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a man in right standing with God avails much. I'm in right standing with God. I want to pray for you. The Bible says my prayer will avail much. And there are many others here who are in right standing with God whose prayers will be toward you and for you. I'd like you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Cole, friends, I need prayer. I need to make a decision to follow Christ today. And I'm going to do that now. As I raise my hand, I ask for an interest in your prayers that Christ may be my Lord. Thank you. God bless you. Others, raise them up. Let me see them. Hold them high, and then you may put them down again once I've spotted the hand. Up in the balcony, I see hands up there. God bless you. Way back there. Back over here on my left. Thank you. Others, right down here. Thank you. Raise them up and then down again. I need to give my life to Christ. I need to make a surrender to Jesus. Do it today. Raise your hand. Let me pray for you. Let others pray for you. Let Jesus Christ walk into your life. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If you will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And I'm going to be praying for you in just a moment.